This week on the Unnamed Fantasy Football Podcast, we talk about trade negotiations gone absolutely wacky, the breadth of mid-level talent in fantasy football this year, and how to evaluate it. Educated guests are just crapshoot. And then we make some bold fantasy and non-fantasy football predictions. Let's get started with a story from Mr. AJ. All right, listen, so I have to tell you this story from today because um, sometimes when you're trying to negotiate with people in fantasy football trades, it goes very well. Like I think you and I tend to have really civil discussions about trade values and all that stuff, and we normally either work work out something that we like or we don't, and it's all good. It's all love at the end of the day. Uh, I was talking with one of the guys in our league today. We're going to call him... We're going to call him Gavin for the sake of, A, I want that to be his new nickname, and B, I sort of hate him now. So Gavin um, Gavin is in a similar position as I am in, the, in our league where uh, we had teams that we really liked and we thought were good, and then, you know, a lot of the guys didn't pan out, and we're kind of struggling uh, in the league, and so we're looking to mix things up, right, trying to mix things up, which is great. So... <clears throat> I email him this morning at work, and we start talking about you know trades, right? And what uh, he wants is keepers. So he wants to get yeah. guys to keep for next year. I'm not giving up yet because I I, I just can't, you know. But yeah. I have a lot of guys that I can keep. I have CJ Spiller is a late round pick. Sure. Marco Murray's a 14th rounder. Matt Stafford a sixth rounder. Demarius yeah. Thomas in the fifth round, you know. So there's some guys. Okay. Yeah. So I have some flexibility. So we start to negotiate, right? Mm-hmm. He said, these are the guys I want. I said, well, here's who I'm willing to deal. I'll give you one or two of those guys. He basically asked for all my keepers, right, <laughs> okay. for, for a couple of his players. And okay. I said, you know, so I start, and I'm, of course, well, no, you can't have all my keepers. So we're negotiating, and, and, and he puts a trade out there, and he says, you know, here's this trade. Right, I'll give you, I'll give you, um, I'll give you my two quarterbacks, right? Darren McFadden, Marcus Colston, um, and and that was it, right? I'll give you those those four guys. If you give me Matt Stafford, who's got great keeper value, uh, De- Demarco Murray, right, and Greg Jennings. So I said, okay, I said, that's a pretty good value. All right, let me just ask you, because I really like Stafford, and you know this. I'm a huge Stafford guy. Is there any trade that I can keep Stafford in? Okay, basically no, right, because he really wants it. All right, fine. So I just, but I throw some things out there. So we start to discuss that. And I said, all right, well, that's not going to work. So I send them. All right, so your quarterbacks, Darren McFadden and Marcus Colston for Stafford, uh, what I say, Stafford, Murray, and Jennings, right? Sure. And he goes, and he replies to me, whoa, this is getting out of control, all right? At this point, you can't just throw something back at me changing the whole trade. Wait, didn't you say that you threw back at him what the trade was? Yeah, so I sent him the same exact thing, right? And and I so I go back in the email and I copy and paste it to him. I said, Gavin, you this was your proposal. <laughs> Oh, you Kevin. you offered this, and and he goes, okay, well then why don't you just throw in Steve Smith and I'll throw in um like a like a Santana Moss who we just picked up off of waivers. <laughs> no, go with the trade that you said. He goes, okay, well then just throw in Felix Jones and Santana Moss and I'll give you Kenny Britt. 
I said, Gavin, first of all, you accused me of changing the trade. <laughs> I go back to what's normal, and now you're saying, well, since whatever, just throwing all these extra guys. And ultimately, I said, okay, you know what? I'm just so sick of you. A, I don't want to trade on principle, but B, like, I have to mix up my team, like, whatever. I'll give you Steve Smith and Felix Jones. Like, I just want to mix up my team. Like, just send it over. So he sends it over, right? And I'm at work, so I don't, you know, confirm or, or anything, but I'm at work. So then I go home. I get home. I open up my iPad. I go to my league page. Trade has been canceled. I text him. Where did the trade go? He goes, I don't know. It should still be there. I said, no, you canceled it. He goes, oh, um, how about Jonathan Stewart and someone else for Demarius Thomas? <laughs> and I said, no. I said, what happened to our other trade? He said, oh, well, it should still be there. It's not there. You can't. So this dude, all day, Jimmy, this is all day. And he literally, I cannot make this up. He literally just texted me while we're recording this. Jonathan Stewart for Greg Jennings. Straight up. I want to kill myself. So I, I actually, it's funny because I thought about tweeting a few minutes ago uh, about this specific person that now that they had picked Jonathan Stewart up off of waivers and he had been announced the starter for that team, how long it would take uh, you know, him to start yeah, packaging him in trades. Uh, and I think this is actually a great, great segue to uh, you know, some more topics this week. And, and it involves waiver wire pickups of guys. I think there's a couple other things we want to talk about this week, but I think waiver wire pickups of guys they are not good trade bait. I got suckered with this earlier this year. I traded Marcus Golston for Ryan Williams, who was picked up off waivers. Granted, I had a crush on Ryan Williams to start off the season yeah. in the in the draft. Didn't end up getting him. When they said he was the starter, I was like, okay, let me let me grab him. And then he gets hurt the first game. Total fluke. You can't predict that. Fantasy football is a crapshoot. Whatever. But you can't pick guys up off of waivers and then try to immediately package them in trades. If guys wanted them in waivers or guys wanted to pick them up as free agents, they would have done that. And trying to just sneak your way in and grab somebody before anyone else can, that's a total total shady move. I totally disagree with everything except that it's a shady move. <laughs> because here's the thing. My, Trent Richardson might, might not play on Sunday. Right? Okay. CJ Spiller's on a bye. DeMarco Murray's hurt. So I have okay. Felix Jones. Right now i got two running back spots, and i got Felix Jones. So... Put a bullet in my face, okay? <laughs> but Jonathan Stewart might have been valuable at least, you know, as a bi-week fill-in for me. Now, I think it's good defense on the part of managers who can afford to snatch those guys up and rotate them in and out and try to trade for them. And I think that's a good strategy, but the issue is the guys in our league, they try to trade them for, like, for starters. They try to trade them for studs. Like, if I go out and grab Jonathan Stewart and I don't need him, but, you know, maybe someone else needs a fill-in. I can trade him maybe for a bench guy or give me some depth. I can't expect to trade him for, you know, Marcus Colson. I mean, that clearly worked on you once, but that has other circumstances. And I think that's the issue. I don't think you can pick those guys up and expect to trade them for starters, which is what the guys in our league try to do. Uh, Rashard Jennings just got picked up, and that was just purely out of spite of someone else. Picked him up, and I'm going to keep him on my bench just to piss you off, right? Yeah. Well, and I think that's the strategy that makes fantasy football fun is when people do that, pick guys up as defense. And that's a, there's a little bit of a difference, too. Like Defense is picking a guy up so that someone else can't start him. Having somebody uh, against you that you pick up, uh, you know, they, you pick up the handcuff because you have a feeling that guy's not going to start uh, just so that they're kind of screwed there. I, and uh, and I'm, I will be with you on this one that trading them for, like, bench pieces 
if someone needs the depth, yeah, that's that can be a solid strategy. But you cannot expect 100% in agreement on this. You cannot expect to get starter value for it. Marcus Colston was probably a, a flex wide receiver at best when I traded him based on his scores. He was he under seven points. Yeah, he was under seven points for three straight weeks. So in your yeah. defense, it wasn't an in totally insane trade. Of course, he blew up after that. But and Williams got hurt. But, but yeah, you right. know, we've we've bela- I've, I have belabored that point more yeah. than enough. Um, but it just goes like, but you see the same guys. I think sometimes just like s- stalking the waiver wire. And it's, you know, being able to freely pick up free agents makes exasperates us a little bit. But guys that just stalk the waiver wire, pick up people, and then immediately try to package them in trades for major starters. Or try to package them as, like, add-ons for trades. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't really want that guy to begin with. You're just throwing right. him in to try to increase value that I, I don't want. Especially right. not if that guy's going to sit on my bench. You Which know, I don't, wanna, I don't want I don't want to trade for guys that are going to just be bench players for me. Yeah. If it's going to be a buy fill-in... I can accept that. If it's you know, if it's your situation where you've got a bunch of guys that are hurt, grabbing an extra running back this week is probably smart. Mm-hmm. Because you need you need to fill out your depth a little bit, at least for this week, with someone better than what you're gonna get off waivers, which is pretty much no one at this point. Because running so, back is so shallow. So at in this offseason, our league we added uh, draft pick trading. And I've I've said this before, but I stocked up on mid-round picks, so I stocked up on rounds two through five. I had eight picks in rounds two through five, and I wanted a ton of depth, and I figured the more guys I can grab in that range, the higher chance I have to hit on a running back or a wide receiver that was kind of in the middle rounds and was going to be like a tier one guy. Obviously, that has not gone totally to scheme, but what it has left me in is this predicament where I don't have anyone on my team that I can really drop right now to pick up like a Jonathan Stewart. Because I have, it, I have on my bench, I have guys like Greg Jennings, I have Steve Smith on my bench, Des Bryant occasionally is on my bench, you know, uh, depending on the week, Trent Richardson or, or DeMarco Murray or Felix Jones or those guys, my backup quarterback, you know. So, like, I don't really have a lot of flexibility, and that's kind of hurt me in this situation where I want to, you know, maybe grab a guy for trade value to trade yeah. to someone else as a package, and I can't do that. So that, that was uh, a foresight that I kind of missed. And I'll tell you what what it also makes a struggle for, and that's a, that's a great point. I have guys on my team that I can drop, but I don't have guys on my team that I can drop and feel like they won't get picked up if I, if I need them for depth later. And that's the problem I'm running into is, like, I could just keep tinkering with pieces, but my starting lineup is pretty much going to be the same, and I don't really want to move my bench around, mostly because I do have a little bit of keeper value there. Yeah. The big pain in the neck for this, which I know you're, you've gone through or are going through, and I've gone through, is what to do when your defense and kicker are on buys. Yeah. These are, and you're not going to carry two or three defenses or kickers right. to cover your bye week. So when they're on a buy, you have to drop somebody that's a legitimate player on your team or try to trade, which, you know, that's – I'm never – I'm usually not for trading defenses or kickers. I guess you can yeah. if you have to, but – well, the thing is this: the ones that you would trade for, which is like um, uh, the the Chicago Bears, they score so much that that guy who owns them is never going to trade them, right? Yeah. He he's not going to trade you the Bears unless he's going to get you know a starter and another good defense to fill in because it's not worth going from uh, the Bears who score twenty plus points a game to whoever is next in that line. Yeah. But what, but, but what really pisses me off is um, the guys who have so many, so much room on their benches that that they can just ro- rotate these free agents in and out all over and over and over and over and over, and over, and over again, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that's maddening because we both see this. They both they both hit you over trade offers all the time, and it just kills you, and it's just super annoying. And I was obviously doing something else while trying to say that, so I was thoroughly distracted. No, totally fine. Um, so I'm I don't I don't know where to go from there. I guess I. I don't like I, I'm so fed up with trading this year, I guess, because I have some guys that I want to trade. I have some guys on my team that I've thought about trading, but I just can't bring myself to do it. And the offers I'm getting I'm just getting blasted with offers for so many people for such it's like four for one trades, four for two trades, silly. And I just The thing don't that, like that the thing that kills you with that is that these guys forget that they give you four guys, you have to get rid of three guys on your bench. Yeah. Right. So it's not just like, oh, I'll give you all these great guys for you, and you can just give me that one guy. It's you. You have to pick three guys on your bench now to drop. Yeah. And it's a value over replacement thing. Where are those guys better than your bench guys? Like you yeah. obviously have those guys on your bench for a reason, um, and maybe you don't just want to part with them so soon. So I don't know. But that's so frustrating. Not only that, but what gets me about trading is when people, I don't want to trade for guys that are just going to sit on my bench. Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably trading away a starting piece more than likely in a lot of these trades for guys that are going to sit on, like, I'll maybe get one person that's a lower starting piece, but, like, saying I'll trade you your one running back for these two running backs, well, that means I either have to, like, cut somebody else out of my starting lineup who was in my starting lineup. There's probably a good reason for that. Mm -hmm. Or I have to, you know, just keep rotating guys through it's, or put one of them on my bench. It's stupid. Like, you have to bench yeah. somebody for that, and it just doesn't make sense. That's why yeah. even trades are way better in my opinion because there's no question about who you're dropping or whatever. Like, and it should right. be for pieces that are you're actually going to work with, not for garbage duty pieces. And, and again, what ended up happening was the trade that I was working today with Gavin was ended up being five for five, right? Which is <laughs> for on Google Hangout, and Jimmy just showed me his bare nipples, and now I'm I just I'm. I'm full, totally flustered. I'm totally flustered. <laughs> Anyways, it ended up being a five for five trade, which I agree is totally out of control. But that's where it got to be. And then the trade's canceled. I I I don't know what to do, Jimmy. No, I don't. I don't know what to do as far as trades go either. I mean, we can be able belabor the trade point. I actually get some people asking me about trades throughout the week, and you know. It's it's tough. Trading is so tough, and it's every all value is relative. It's all about how much you value a particular player over another. So there's really no way to say like what's going to be a fair trade or not. And then you know you can't really get blasted for a bad trade unless it's like heinously bad and you really thought you were doing well. If you trade Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles for Jonathan Stewart this week, you're you made a really bad trade. And if you think it's really good, then you should stop playing fantasy football because you're wasting everyone's time. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's really uh, hurting the ability to trade is how shallow, not, not shallow in terms of there's a few guys, but shallow in terms of it's super wide, so think of it like, uh, I don't know, is the kind of the wide receiver two and the running back two spot on fantasy teams. You have your elite guys, right, for wide receiver. It's guys like Victor Cruz and A.J. Green are way up there. Percy Harvin yep. is way up there. Um, Brandon Marshall's pretty good week to week. 
you know, Wes Welker's been really good. Jordy Nelson has had a couple big games recently that have put him up there. Marcus Colson, same thing. So you, so you got these guys that are way up there, kind of over 100 points on the fantasy year. And then you have this huge range of guys who have scored between like 70 and 85 points. And it's, and it's about 20, it's about 20 guys. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's impossible. It's impossible to really like value those guys. Like Antonio Brown, right. Has scored 67 points. Okay. But he's, but he's had a buy. So keep that in mind. Antonio Brown scores 67 points, but he's got a buy. He's really consistent. Yep. So he's a little bit over 10 points a week. Right. And at the same time, a guy like, uh, Dwayne Bowe, or even Julio Jones. Julio Jones has scored 76 points, right? So nine mm -hmm. points more than Antonio Brown, okay? Nine points more. Yep. And I don't know if Julio Jones has had his buy yet. I think they, they just had yeah, it. Yeah, they just had it this so week. They just had it, right? So that's nine points. So that's currently that's about two points a week. That's less than two points per week. But if, I, if, if and when, because I, I have, proposed Antonio Brown in a trade, People are, ah, no way. There's no way. That guy's a bench player. He was called a bench player to me today. He said, Antonio Brown's a bench player. I said, bench player? I've started him every week. That dude is consistent as day. Should have had a touchdown pass this week. If you're a four-string running back, which I guess I can't really fault him too much, could caught, could caught the ball. That guy does it all. He's a lot for five to seven catches. Ben loves throwing to him. He returns punts, so you get that little bonus. But nobody would ever trade him for Julio Jones, right? But they're nine points away in fantasy scoring in our league this year. No, and and like you also have to look. Julio Jones still isn't the top wide receiver on his league in his, on his team. On his team like yeah. yeah, it's a team that probably passes more than others in the Falcons. And Julio Jones it gets a lot of, of work, but Julio Jones is going to be up and down, and I think that's been evidenced pretty well this year. That's the problem I have with looking when we're talking about this um, this range of people where you've got this like top tier guy, and then you've got these middle tier guys. The top tier guys are like an AJ Green who's scoring you know double digit, almost twenty fantasy points a freaking week. Like yeah. the first week was his only double non double digit, and then this past week against Pittsburgh, which you know your boys, knows why that happened. Your but, boys shut him down. Yeah, but it was his only non double digit weeks. Other than that, he's averaging about twenty points a week. Like if you take out the outliers, the the two low ones, he's averaging about twenty points a week. Like that's consistency. Victor Cruz is averaging somewhere in the same range. Like he's up there in double digit points all but two weeks. You know that is the the picture of consistency. Right. You know, Oddly enough, this year, Vincent Jackson, surprisingly, averaging double-digit points except for two games. Like, that guy is breaking the stereotype that Vincent Jackson is an up-and-down player. Absolutely. And he's a lot better. Percy Harvin, double-digit points. These are your top-tier guys. But then you look at someone like, like a Julio Jones, who is up and down. He'll have, like, a 30-point week. They don't have, like, two four-point weeks. And you can't trust him to be a permanent, like, to be consistently good. And I think that's what separates the top tier from the middle tier, is the middle tier is gonna, has upside and can get you points. But here's, the top tier are consistently getting you points. Here's what's hilarious. Julio Jones is this, is this year's Vincent Jackson. Yeah. His fantasy scores, he had 26, then he had 3.5. He had 15, then he had 3.5. He had 21, then he had 8. And he was the guy everyone's touting as going to be the number one receiver in the league and all this crap. He's going to have this huge breakout year. And he is Vincent Jackson this year. Yeah. And it's crazy. I mean, Vincent Jackson is still kind of Vincent Jackson, but he's been on a super, super hot streak. Uh, let's see, four out of six weeks he's been at 20 points or more. I mean, so yeah. I think he was a guy we totally underestimated. But here's the thing. The same thing is going on with the, with the running backs. You've got – in our league, this is insane. Arian Foster 
is 20 points higher than Ray Rice. Yeah. Ray Rice is almost 20 points higher than Adrian Peterson. And then Adrian Peterson and C.J. Spiller are close, and then the rest of the guys are under 100 points. Yeah. And then you have this range of guys uh, kind of from, again, from 85 to 60, and there's about... There's about fifteen. There's about fifteen or twenty guys that have between eighty-five and about sixty points, and yeah. they're all these these guys like Sean Green has outscored LaShawn McCoy, right? Who's outscored Chris Johnson? Uh, Willis McGahee has outscored Darren Sproles. D Doug Martin has outscored Maurice Jones, Drew, Darren McFadden, Matt Forte, and Demarco Murray. But it's back to the same thing though. Like LaShawn McCoy has been consistently in the you know the mid to low teens, uh, you know yeah. thirteen, fourteen, fifteen every week. Then you look at Sean Green, and Sean Green had fifteen, then two, six, three, five, thirty-six, <laughs> and nineteen or eighteen. So, yeah. Like, would you really say that you'd rather have Sean Green in your team than LaShawn McCoy? If you knew that you're going to get you know twelve to seventeen points from LaShawn McCoy every week, almost guaranteed versus getting maybe two points from Sean Green or maybe 30 points from Sean Green, which would you take to win week in and week out? Well, you, you would take the consistent guy, and you would hope that he hits big rather than risking it all, but that's my take. But that's if I weird. offered you, then let's just speak and let's make pretend, and let's pretend DeMarco Murray's healthy right now, and he's got a foot thing. He's going to sit this week. I expect he'll be back next week. I'm mm -hmm. not too worried about it. He doesn't seem too worried about it. Anyway. Sure. DeMarco Murray's had his bye week, right? Mm -hmm. Matt Forte has not had his bye week yet, but he did miss one game, okay? Sure. Oh, no, he has had his bye week, so he's missed two games. Okay, with injury. Either way, they're, let me see, they're one point away in fantasy scoring, okay? They're one point away in fantasy scoring, but you would never say Matt Forte is equal to, Darren McCann, or to, to DeMarco Murray. And sure. so it makes trading so hard because... How, you know, I, I can't acquire a lot of these guys that I want to get because it's the perceived value because of the name because of the round they were taking in, and it really affects the value in our in our league. It's 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 really it's really been tough to tough to make a trade that, that people think is fair. Yeah, and I think what it boils down to is like how do you value guys? And I think when you're looking at the draft, when you're at that point in the draft and you're you're doing all your draft prep, your mocks and your your rankings and everything like that, you should be looking and this is kind of a preview to draft talk from the off season when we get there. But you should be looking at what did the guy do over the last six games of last year? How did he put the whole season together? How many games did he miss? How many games did he miss time? I think that's important too. It's like Maurice Jones Drew started this game, but then he missed most of it this past week. Trent right. Richardson has started the past two games, but he's gone out of the game early in both those games. You know, that's that's tough for a fantasy owner. You're starting a guy because, oh, look, Trent Richardson's going to start. Oh, well, his rib injury picks back up, and now he can't – now he's not playing for most of the game. And, you know, hard to see an Aguanaya come in and, and do some stuff. But you're not going to – if they say Trent Richardson is starting a game, you're not going to bench him. That's not a guy you're going to bench. Same Especially with, you know, against the Colts defense that just gave up 36 fantasy points to Sean Green. Like you, of course not. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to bench him in that situation, but like, what's to say he's going to finish the game? He very well could, you know, could get hurt again and not be able to complete to finish the game out. And because he's got this little, like, little injury, but you know. So that's what you have to look at when you're thinking about your draft. Once the draft is over, all conceptions about what a guy is or what a guy is going to do have to go out the window. And you Agreed. have to – like you've got two weeks maybe of being able to still base things off a guy's last year value. And then you have to start thinking about what the 
the climate is around him this particular week, like Absolutely. or this particular year, because we're we're getting ready for what the Steelers are three and three. They've had a bye, so we're getting ready for week eight in the NFL, right? Yep. So week eight in the NFL, we are almost at the halfway point in the in the season. If you're still basing a guy's value on last year, you're doing it wrong because we've got a big enough body of work, half a season of work, to determine if this guy is the same person he was last year or what this person is this year. You know, do you it, remember? Do you remember the off season when everyone said, you know, we have two elite tight ends, and then we have a bunch of kind of guys who are in the same range. Yep. Right. Tight end right now. There are kind of two, maybe three elite guys. Tony Gonzalez is one of them. Your man crush, uh, Gronk, is the other. And Owen Daniels it could arguably be the third because he's been having a really great season. But ultimately, man, tight end is so wide right now in terms of talent pool from, yeah. you know, there's about ten guys that have scored in the 50s, right? And yeah. that is not good. <laughs> I mean, that's not particularly good. Um, and I, you know, it's got some of the same connotations going with it. Jason Witten and Owen Daniels were compared today in a conversation I had, and someone said, oh, "I'm fine with Witten." And Owen Daniels is the number three tight end, and that just shows you, man, tight end is so shallow in terms of there's, you know, I'm, I guess shallow is not the right word, but the talent pool is so broad and so yeah. kind of even that you know it's whatever. Owen Daniels has scored. Almost thirty more fantasy points this season than Jason Witten, but yeah, guys are like, ah, eh, it's whatever. Well, that's where I was going to go with it. Is that yeah, Owen Daniels has got thirty more fantasy points than Jason Witten. Owen Daniels double double digit points every week, couple tens, couple sixteens, you know, and then a couple or a few sixteens, a couple singles. Jason Witten had a lot of weak games and had like two big games. So really, who's the better value there? It's Owen Daniels. He's consistent. He's got thirty more points on the year. He's better. Like, look at another guy, Heath Miller, my boy Heath Miller, who's been, you know, kind of up and down this year, I will admit, but is scoring better than a lot of guys in the league. He's almost he's 20 points higher than, uh, you know, 20 points higher than even Jimmy Graham, who was supposed to be great. And I know Graham now has missed a game because of his ankle injury and stuff like that and went out early in that other game. Mm -hmm. um, was kind of only used as a decoy once he got hurt. But also consider this, the Saints started winning when Jimmy Graham stopped playing. <laughs> that's not to say that Jimmy Graham's going to come out or that they're any better without him or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, like, they're not going to rush him back because they're doing fine without him. They're right. going to worry about getting him healthy. And that means that he's going to potentially be out for multiple more weeks. But a guy, somebody's not going to try to gonna drop Jimmy Graham because of that because you know he's going to get picked up right away. But I guarantee right. if someone like, you know, let's say Martellus Bennett got dropped, people aren't clamoring for him. Even though he's doing better than Jimmy Graham this year by you know six seven points in fantasy, and he's healthy and he's used as a red zone target and you know he's exactly. got high, you know, but I agree you know I I was even I, I was even shopping Owen Daniels today in our league and dude nobody bit this is a number three tight end of the league he's only had two weeks under ten points yeah and he's the number three tight end of the league and I shopped him in our league dude nobody bit. And I was a little surprised that no one was even interested. And the guy, the one guy who even commented on him said, well, I went and so I'm fine. It's, you know, it's not really a big deal. So it's like, man, tight ends, you better just hang on to him. I, I know how Aaron Fernandez and Owen Daniels are in the league. Yeah. I should. If, if I flexed Owen Daniels out last week like I, like I was thinking about, but I couldn't do it because it's two tight ends, 
but had I flexed him out, I would have won my game. Yeah. And I lost by three points to some voodoo magic, to some evil voodoo, voodoo. magic that kept Jason Hayes magic. But, uh, but like, I think I think the point that we're trying to make here, overarching, is that the talent pool for all players this year is really, really broad. There's like a couple guys that are standing above the crowd, but for the most part, everyone's really even. It's just about how many guys in that range did you get versus like how many crap guys did you get. And I think that's what's making or breaking fantasy seasons. I mean, like our league right now, there is one person that stands above the crowd at 8-1. and one. I'm sorry, at six and one, I gave us way too many weeks. One guy at six and one. I'm at four and three. There's or there's four teams at four and three. There's four or three teams at three and four, and then two, two and five. We're almost at the midpoint. We're almost to where like we're starting to determine seating, and nothing is guaranteed at this point because it's so broad. Fantasy this year is just broad, and it's all about getting the guys that are in the mid tier that are hitting in the right week. And like being able to make that judgment and grab that guy at the right time and bailing early enough mm-hmm. and just, you know, and really rolling the dice. I think it's really all it boils down to. Yeah, and you say a lot about fantasy as a crapshoot, and I kind of disagree with that a lot. I mean, there's certainly a certain amount of luck involved. I think there's a lot of skill, particularly when you come into va- uh, how you value guys and then how you evaluate them for the season, this comes into trades as well, if you can get a guy that you think is on the upswing, etc. So, yeah, maybe we can fight over that some other time, but... But, but, but think but about that phrase you just said, a guy you think is on the upswing. Into it. Yeah, but that's valuing, right? Well, yeah, but valuing is, is all a crapshoot. Like, you can... Because we're not in these guys' heads, we don't know like what they're thinking, what's going on specifically with them. Like when you're evaluating a player as a team, I think there's a lot more like that goes into it. But when you're evaluating a player as a fantasy owner, like you have to hope that that all the pieces come together, that coaches coach him one way, and that the quarterback gets him involved the way that he needs to and doesn't audible away from him a lot, and that the defense doesn't stop him randomly or key on them that week. Like, you can make good guesses. You can make very educated guesses. But in the end, fantasy football is all guesses. <laughs> I mean, that's... I guess that's technically true in the same way that taking a test is all guesses, so grades for everybody is totally asinine because you can just guess correctly. But I disagree. I, mean, I disagree with that. I think it's an overgeneralization. But. Well, absolutely, because you're doing the same thing. You're overgeneralizing, saying the whole, the whole game is a crapshoot. But you know certain things. You know when the Falcons coach says, yeah, we're going to give Mike Turner less Let's run this year. We're going to decrease his role. We're going to increase our passing game and throw more. You knew Julio Jones and Roddy White were going to have a great year. And you know what? If you were smart, you probably said, I bet Tony Gonzalez, who's ageless, is going to have a great year too. And Mike Turner, who has been a bit of an anomaly because of a few big games, a few kind of weird runs that he's had, has been decent. But you knew those Falcon guys were going to be usable week to week, and we're going to be great. That's not a crapshoot. No, but but you're assuming that one guy over the other, you're, when you talk about a pass game, you're thinking about two to three wide receivers. In this case, it's pretty much two and a tight end. You know, you're thinking about a tight end. You're thinking about is there a back to catch it out of the backfield, which for all intents and purposes, Snelling and, uh, and Jaquiz Rogers can catch out of the backfield, though not very well and they're not utilized really well in that role. You know, Michael Turner doesn't catch a lot out of the backfield, but, you know, there's a lot of guys that can spread out a passing game when they say that. Like, the only person that benefits from an increased pass game that's guaranteed to benefit from it is a quarterback. 
And that's, you know, and so everyone was down on Matt Ryan despite this. People were super high on Julio Jones and, and Roddy White and everybody and maybe Tony Gonzalez. Nobody was high. Okay, not nobody, but there was less hype for Matt Ryan despite the fact that he is the key to all that. If he goes out there and stinks this year, then he's then they're not doing anything. Like Dwayne Bell was having good years with Matt Castle. Now Brady Quinn's in there. Were you and he guessing? wants out. What's that? And he wants out. Dwayne Bow. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's got to he's got to work his value because if he wants to get out and get a good contract next year, you know he's got to increase the value that he's going to get and hope that a team will potentially trade, put the picks into it to get him out of his uh, franchise under. Here's here's what's not a crapshoot though. Brady Quinn is is not a good NFL quarterback. No, that's Therefore, not a crapshoot. Therefore, Dwayne Bow's value decreases. Right. Right. That's not a crapshoot. That's just a fact. And theoretically. If defenses are smart and Brady Quinn really is that bad, theoretically you might see more eight-in-the-box defensive fronts, which means you can start to think, hey, maybe Jamal Charles' value start to drop. I agree. So that's not a crapshoot, though. That's taking information and making a judgment based on it. What's a crapshoot is when guys get hurt, when Aaron Hernandez gets a big okay. lineman rolled on his ankle. Well, yeah, but I think you're, what you're saying is you're, you're synthesizing a hypothesis is what you're, what you're saying. Like, okay, Brady Quinn is bad. Defenses are not going to worry about the pass as much because Brady Quinn is so bad. The hypothesis is this will hurt Jamal Charles, but there's no guarantee that that's true. It's all just an experiment in and hypothesis and, again, crapshoot. Mm -hmm. If you're saying – I'm not going to go back to the test. It's not important. But that's why it's a crapshoot because you're making, you can make an educated guess. You can make a hypothesis that Jamal Charles' value will start to decrease because – that because Brady Quinn is the quarterback. But you could also say because Brady Quinn is the quarterback, they're going to run a ton more, and so Jamal Charles is going to have more opportunity to run the ball. And he is not somebody who gets a lot of his carries in volume. He gets a lot of his points and everything like that, and it's happened a lot this year. He will have, like, he'll have a couple runs for, like, two, three, four, and then he'll break off, like, a 35-yard run for a touchdown. And that's where Jamal Charles' value comes from. So, you know, they can stack the box, but if he gets a good cutback, anything like that, he also can take it to the house for a long touchdown and end up racking up 20 or 20 fantasy points in a week just off that kind of thing, off one or two of those kind of runs. Yeah, and you and you make that determination as a fantasy owner, and you go with that information going forward, right? You're not going to trade Jamal Charles because, again, I've, I've heard this from you, that you think he's going to get way more run, and therefore his value is going to at minimum stay the same. I actually kind of agree because I like Jamal Charles a lot. I think he's such a special talent for uh, he doesn't need vol volume carries to do what he does. Uh, he's so shifty that, that he can make guys miss so well. I, I actually think Jamal Charles and numbers don't rec numbers don't say it right now, but I think especially if they were to put a team around him or if he were to go somewhere else, Jamal Charles would be the best running back in the league because oh, I, I like his elusiveness and the way that he the way that he runs. And I actually didn't see this much of him before, but this year paying attention to him as a fantasy owner. Uh, you know, Arian Foster has a great offensive line, and that is not to downplay his talent because he is really talented, and that's actually – before this year, I was downplaying his talent a little bit. Yeah. Arian Foster's really talented. Um, annoying. It is, it is annoying. Um, you know, and, and like a guy like Ray Rice is really talented. But look at a guy like Ray Rice. Like, your guess is, is good, but then they get into a game against Houston where, you know, oh, it's Ray Rice. He's going to be the key of that offense. He ran the ball like nine times because they got away from him because that's what the Ravens do when they're panicked is they stop using their best player. So that's 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 where I'm coming from with that. I mean, it's again, we can belabor the point as much as possible. That I think it's a crapshoot, um, a bunch of educated guesses that you can make, and people that give themselves more education 
are the ones that are able to do better at fantasy football. People that can pay attention Certainly. to this and actually put the time into learning about fantasy football are going to do better because they are making these better determinations, these better guesses. I no, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, that's why we always preach: watch the games, know what you're doing. And I'm a I'm a big proponent of look beyond the games to understand the situation of what's going on because there's a lot of value there. Um, yeah. And, and that's, I think, where you start to find some sleepers who perform better that you can plug into a lineup. If you need to make a trade for a guy that you really like, uh, you can fill in that spot with, uh, with with these guys that you watch and know what their value and talent and ability is. So, so we had a bye week last week, AJ. And yes. I think you and I are at this point now where, you know, we had we had a little bit of rest time. I'm wondering, do we keep do we keep hammering at home, or do we go to our checks mix bold party mix predictions this week? Let's make some bold predictions. Let's do it. Um, but let's talk about it. Let's see what. Let's see if we can be bold this week. Since since we had a buy last week, I was not in the film room, so I'm not sure what uh, what our predictions were, or what came of them. Oops, sorry about that. Um, let's see. Two weeks ago. Man, I yeah, I got nothing, dude. We, we should probably track these somehow, huh? Yeah, we should probably think about that. But that's okay. We took a bye week off. That means none of it counted anyway. Uh, we're that's all right. we're all winners here, except for AJ, who's a loser. Yeah, um, always. So let's make some bold predictions for this week. All right, all right. we've got Texans on a bye, so there can't be any Texans predictions as I'm looking at tight ends. Okay. Because I'd love to make a an Owen Daniels prediction because I, I really like that guy. But um, happy to trade him to you. I need some pieces. Yeah, I know you do. Well, I'm I'm legit I'm legit thinking I might just be going to a two tight end set and starting Aaron Hernandez and Owen Daniels because I don't know what else to do. But here's an issue: I don't have a starting I don't have a starting running back this week, so I need to either hit the waiver wires or I need somebody to trade with me. This is a getting to be yeah, and the waiver wire is real thin. I I've been trolling it myself, and it is yeah. mighty mighty thin. Yeah. Um. So, let's see. Bold predictions. I'm gonna go to. Hmm. I know where I'm going this week. Oddly enough, I'm going to the Cleveland Browns this week. Oh, really? I am. And I am going to go to my team. I thought about not going to my team, but I'm going to my team as well. And I may not start this guy, but I picked up Josh Gordon, who's a wide receiver from the Cleveland Browns, okay. uh, who over the past three weeks has had a, uh, a knack for catching touchdown passes. Um, yeah. Actually, last week he ended up with 13 points. He had a touchdown pass on about 60 yards, but he also dropped a 33-yard touchdown pass uh, that would have sealed not only the game, but also a solid over 20-point fantasy week for him. I'm going with Josh Gordon. They're playing San Diego. Uh huh. I'm going to go with him to have a 20-point fantasy game this week. That's right. A Cleveland wow. Browns receiver, a 20-point fantasy game this week is my prediction. That's a great prediction. I mean, it's great because it's bold. It's not great because I don't think it'll happen. But <laughs> what do I know? I've only hit on every one of my bold predictions so far. Except for the ones that you had to finagle and you know excuse certain things to make true. Which but that's was, fine, whatever. Which was every week so far. But exactly. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I have two bold predictions. I have one for the record, and I have one for you personally. Uh, my first one is this week Oakland is playing Kansas City, and I think this week uh, against a really 
inner turmoiled Kansas City team, mm -hmm. I think this is the week that we see Darren McFadden get back on track and start looking like the Darren McFadden people expected to see. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with 18 points for Darren McFadden this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he has a big one. All right. Now my personal prediction, you, has to do with my boy RG3 playing huh. against your your Steelers, and I think he's I think he, hey, I think RG3 has just been unbelievable this year. So fun to watch. Uh, I think he has another huge game, and I'm gonna I haven't done this in probably six years, but I'm gonna predict a Redskins win. Oh my goodness gracious! I know, which pretty much guarantees we're gonna lose now. But uh, did you I'm see the Steelers' it, defense in the second it. half? Did you see the Steelers' defense in the second half? Now, if Pierre Garcon plays, I might actually be on your on your side with that. Um, I'm gonna go with my Steelers because I do. I think we righted the ship a little bit on defense last week, uh, and I think we're gonna be amped up for this game pretty hard. So I do think the Steelers are gonna win. Um, but I think that's good that we both are homers about this. Um, and here is here is something I told someone last weekend as I spent time with people, and this is actually related to your boy <laughs> RG3. I told somebody that if RG3 had more than either 20 or 30 points this past week, we would do an all RG3 podcast. Oh, he had 25. So I don't remember if I said 20 or 30. So here's okay. what I will say: if okay. RG3 has more than 20 points this week in a Redskins win against the Steelers, our next podcast will be completely RG3-centric. And I will say that it can be centered off of him. We'll also talk about other Redskins players. But I know a lot of our fans are Redskins fans. It's going to happen. We're going to be so talking. If he has more than 20 points in a win against the Steelers this week, next week will be an yes. all RG3 podcast. I will yes. make that. We're going to I don't even expect a counter wager. We're going to talk so much. We're going to talk so much RG3 next week. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. I am in fact an RG3 owner in one of my leagues. Thank you to uh, one of our friends that thought he was shafting me with that. You know what's uh, so funny about that? That's a great story. That's a great story. Uh, go ahead and tell it because I told the first story. I was in the process of purchasing a home. Uh, in fact, literally going and signing my paperwork and grabbing some dinner after buying a house. Um, and I was literally 15 minutes late to an auction draft. The fourth person in the draft knew that there were a lot of Redskins fans and was hoping to get them out of a bunch of money by putting RG3 up there really soon. Yahoo, despite my best wishes, decided that the amount of money that it was that RG3's value was valued at was enough for them to bid for me. And I raised all kinds of hell when I got back and saw that I had been given RG3. Uh, I said he was terrible. I think I might have called him a girl. Uh, what was so amazing? What was so amazing was we were chatting about how you weren't there, and of course everyone's giving each other a hard time because we all know each other. And once RG3 was put up, and we're laughing, and we see that he's definitely going to go to you because your auto bid kept bidding us up, the next person put up Sean Green with the sole intention of getting him on your team, which happened. So Jimmy shows up, and his team is like RG3, Sean Green, and like some other nub and like Tim Tebow or so I don't know it was something ridiculous and uh, that's what kids that's why you should always show up to your draft on time but but I will also point this out kids if you don't show up to your draft on time 
it may not always be the worst thing in the world. Because you RG3 may be able to start Donald true. Brown in a week when he doesn't play and still win because of some of the other guys on your team. Now, <laughs> I will say, in that league, uh, it drafted me Sean Green and RG3, uh, and I dropped Sean Green immediately after the draft on principle. Based, uh, yeah, just on principle. Yeah, and I, I haven't kept – I didn't pick him back up, so I don't have him. My running backs are really bad in that league with Donald Brown and Andre Brown are who I'm starting, so um, – Yes, show up to your drafts, kids, because you'll get stuck with some crap pieces, but you also might find a diamond in the rough from that uh, and get yeah. the top-scoring fantasy player in all of fantasy football this year. Top-scoring fantasy player, man of all Washington, D.C. sports fans' dreams. Bryce Harper even loves him. RG3, man, that kid is unbelievable. He makes the Redskins exciting to watch, which is which I which I, I, I thought was impossible. And I, I said it before, incredibly charismatic, but let's leave all the RG3 talk. For uh, next week. For, for if, in the slim chance that RG3 has more they than can. 20 fantasy points in a win, if he has they 50 can. fantasy points and they lose, no RG3 talk next week. Well, but that's impossible. if he has 20 or more fantasy points and they win against the Steelers, we will have an all RG3 podcast next week. Uh, for your Redskins viewing pleasure. And like I said, it will be around the Redskins and other pieces related to that, and it will be football-related, but it will be an RG3 podcast so that AJ can, you know, I think he has an RG3 jersey or, or T-shirt or something that he can maybe throw on. And, I'm going to sit here and just my RG3 shirt, and that's all I'm going to wear on Google Hangouts, and we'll I'm, make it a video podcast. I'm going to get an RG3 shirt and wear it as pants. Now, oh. I'm actually going to fashion it into a diaper and yep. just wear that for our podcast next week. RG diaper! Happens. So, RG diaper, I love it. RG, that's not something you should be proud of. I know. Uh, so, bold predictions. I'm saying Josh. I'm saying Josh Gordon of the Browns, 20 points. AJ Darren saying Darren McFadden, 18, and he's predicting a Redskins win over the Steelers this week. <laughs> I'm waiting for Redskins beat the Steelers, and RG3 has 20 or more points. We're talking RG3. We're talking the Skins next week. So keep an eye on the game to know what the podcast is going to be about next week. Uh, with that in mind, I'm Jimmy at Ducal J. Dean. And I'm AJ McGraw at Ducal AJM. Jimmy, he, he canceled the trade and then told me I canceled it. I don't know what to do.